0: The word of the Lord came to me. You shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons or daughters in this place. For thus says the Lord concerning the sons and daughters who are born in this place, and concerning the mothers who bore them, and the fathers who fathered them in this land. They shall die of deadly diseases. They shall not be lamented, nor shall they be buried. They shall be as done on the surface of the ground. They shall perish by the sword and by famine, and their dead bodies shall be food for the birds of the air and for the beasts of the earth. For thus says the Lord, Do not enter the house of mourning, or go to lament or grieve for them, for I have taken away my peace from this people. My steadfast love and mercy declares the Lord. Both great and small shall die in this land, they shall not be buried. And no one shall lament for them, or cut himself, or make himself bald for them. No one shall break bread for the mourner, to comfort him for the dead, nor shall anyone give him the cup of consolation to drink for his father or his mother. You shall not go into the house of feasting to sit with them to eat and drink. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel behold i will silence in this place behold, before your eyes and in your days the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride
1: so where the lord comes to jeremiah you shall not take a wife nor have sons or daughters shortly after jeremiah complains of being so isolated God gives him instructions that just compound his sense of isolation. You know, what an agonizing, life-impacting command of the Lord. You know, almost like a sentence of social excommunication. And, uh, you know, sometimes, if we're going to do the Lord's will, our plans and goals and life dreams have to be sacrificed. Most of you, if you're old enough, probably really intend to one day have a family. Maybe because the Lord doesn't intend it. You know, I mean, most of us really don't like the idea of going to do life by ourselves, with no husband, wife, no kids, whatever. But that's what God told Jeremiah to do. You know, and, and why did he tell Jeremiah to do that? That could be, but it's not so here. What does he say here? He knew
2: what was going to
0: happen to everybody in the
1: land. Which was? Death. So people aren't going to end up having a family because they're all going to die. So really, Jeremiah not marrying and have children was just a sign of the destruction that was coming. Nobody's going to have a wife or kids because they're not going to live. You know, when Hosea married a harlot, it showed how the relationship God had with his people, they had corrupted. When Jeremiah marries no one, that shows the, the end of the relationship with God. It's over. Can you imagine people, you know, people do this a lot with single people in hard day. You know, if somebody has to be 30 and single, what does everybody start asking? Why aren't they married? Well, what, what's wrong with them? Can you imagine people asking that? Why are you married? Oh, he thinks the end of the world's coming. <laughs> you know, you can imagine the kinds of things that they were saying about him. You know, he thinks everybody's going to die. You know, he's all going to be doom and gloom and destruction. Well, that's exactly right. Jeremiah is living out the tragedy he's predicting. And uh, he says, you know, everybody's going to be gone. (laughs) You know, they're all going down the tubes. And then God says, don't go to a house of mourning in verse 5. In other words, don't go to the funeral to console the people. How do people feel if you're really, really close to them and you don't go to the funeral of a loved one? Insulted. You know, people are sensitive about things like that because, you know, if you're really a good friend, then you need to be there when your friend is grieving. You know, you ought to show your sympathy and compassion. So what's going to happen with Jeremiah's already very precarious social relationships when he doesn't even go to any funerals? it makes it look like he doesn't care and so it's really hurting that even more these are pretty scandalous commands and but he says because there's not going to be anybody there to lament the dead there's not going to be anybody there gashing himself or shaving his head now God had forbidden them to do those things those were pagan mourning customs but that's what they did whether God said to or not, He said I'm not going to be doing that anymore because they're not going to be there to lament the dead. So Jeremiah again is acting out what's going to happen, and it doesn't matter who they are, great and men and small. Verse six will die in this land. Social standings not going to exempt you from death. Um, it's just a horrible calamity that's coming. You know, it almost, it's almost like there's no mourning. There's no partying, Everything just, everybody just kind of goes into a zombie-like state. You know, everybody's dying so fast, it's just overwhelming, it's shocking, it's mind-numbing. You know, that's what he's predicting. So, it's almost like Jeremiah is acting out what the whole nation's about to go through. There's going to be so much death and devastation. There's not going to be any feasting. And there's not going to be anybody left to go to the funerals. Comments and questions, there was nothing
0: Did you say what it meant for verse seven when they will not break bread in mourning for them? Like, did they have a? Did they eat when people died?
1: I evidently, evidently. I mean, I, I don't know, but we do. You know, sure. we'll have a meal after the funeral or whatever. So yeah, there's not going to be, there's not going to be anybody left to grieve the dead. Not a pleasant uh, scene. You know, and so, as usual, you know, here the people are so just insensitive to the word of God, so calloused. So how's God going to speak to them Well, he has Jeremiah live it out? You know, if they can't, they're not going to get words, but maybe they can watch and they'll learn something. You know, that's that's kind of the idea. You just can't communicate any other way with deaf people who don't <laughs> respond. Alright, anything else through verse nine? How about ten to thirteen?
2: now when you tell this people all these words they will say to you for what reason has the lord declared all this great calamity against us and what is our iniquity or what is our sin which we have committed against the lord our god then you are to say to them it is because your forefathers have forsaken me declares the lord now i have followed other gods and served them and bowed down to them but me they have forsaken and have not kept my law you too have done evil even more than your forefathers before behold you are each one walking according to the stubbornness of his own evil heart without listening to me. So I will hurl you out of this land into a land which you have not known. Neither you nor your fathers. And there you will serve other gods day and night. For I will grant you no favor.
1: Of all things, what do the people say in ten? What reason has the Lord declared out this great calamity us? Us. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hello. Uh, you know, what does that show you about it Ignorance. Ignorance? I don't think it's even so much ignorance. What are they trying to do? Act like, they didn't do wrong. Act like they didn't do anything wrong. That's exactly right. You ever done that? Well, mm-hmm. oh, why are you upset with me? You're not gonna know why they're upset with you. You're not gonna know what you did. Oh what did I do? Well, you know, it's just really it's frustrating to see how they, after all they've done, are still trying to act like they're innocent. You know, in the light of the book, this question's almost comical. You know, what's our iniquity? Almost like, say, what's it not? You know, know, just give me a list of what you've done. That's your iniquity. He says, you know, you've followed other gods and served them and bowed down to them. You've forsaken, not kept my law. You know, that was your forefathers. You're worse. <laughs> you know, uh, they, they did all this. You've done more. Walking well, in the stubbornness of his own evil heart without listening to me. There you have it. I mean, you're, the stubbornness of your evil heart. That's kind of a typical Jeremiah phrase. He uses that quite a few times. It just shows you how absolutely entrenched their just total obsession with serving idols <laughs> is. And so he says, I'm gonna hurl you out of this land. That's a, that's a cool thought. And gotta pick them up and hurl them out. And where's he gonna hurl them to?
0: To a land that neither they nor their fathers have known. And what are they gonna do there
1: in this foreign land? Yes. Do you see the appropriate, appropriateness of that? What have they been doing in God's land? Where would be their better place to do that? Yeah. I'll send you where that's what they do. You'll really like it there. Because they, 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 there you can serve other gods to your heart's content. You just love it. You know, you can indulge your desire for pagan worship night and day. You know, that's the way you want to be. Well, I'll just send you where you will. You feel, you'll fit right in. Isn't that nice of the Lord? Yep. Yeah. yeah. A lot of irony in what God says. So, what do we do wrong? Well, they should have known. Comments and questions. All right, uh, fourteen to eighteen. Really, kind of go back and forth in some of these things. So, fourteen to eighteen.
2: Therefore, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no longer be said, "As the Lord lives, who brought us up, the, who brought up the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt." But as the Lord lives, who brought up the sons of Israel from the land of the north and from all the countries where he had banished them, for I will restore them to their own land which I gave to their fathers. Behold, I am going to send for many fishermen, declares the Lord, and they will fish for them. And afterwards I will declare, and afterwards I will send for many hunters, and they will hunt them from every mountain and every hill and from the clefts of the rocks. For my eyes are on all their ways; they are not hidden from my face, nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. I will first doubly repay their iniquity and their sin, because they have polluted my land. They have filled my inheritance with the carcasses of their detestable idols and with their abominations.
1: Okay. In 14 and 15, they're not going to say anymore the Lord who brought the sons of Israel up out of Egypt, but what are they going to say?
0: The Lord who brought up the his people from the north.
1: Yes, which means from Babylon. Well, so what's that telling you?
0: The Lord's behind the captivity of these
1: people. Okay, they're going to be in Babylon. <laughs> you know, if the, if the Lord's going to bring them out of Babylon, that means they must be in Babylon. So that's one thing. It's kind of a back doorway of saying they're going to be taken into captivity. You know, it's kind of bittersweet. They're going to have to be delivered from Babylon, but they will be delivered from Babylon. And it's a deliverance so massive that, you know, they're not going to be looking back to the Exodus anymore. They're going to be looking back to the deliverance from Babylon as kind of the, uh, you know, model deliverance. Um... You know, it's going to kind of eclipse that former deliverance from Egypt. It'll make it obsolete. So now the new standard of reference for God's deliverance will be his deliverance from Babylon. So the bad news is they're going to be in Babylon and need to be delivered. The good news is God will deliver them. There is actually hope in their future, unbelievably. However, in the short time, what's God going to send in? Hunters. And? Fishermen. Hunters and Fishermen. So what's he going to do? Stock the ponds and uh, you know have some kind of wildlife reserve? Uh, You know why would he send in the hunters and the fishermen? Who are the hunters and the fishermen for that matter? The
2: apostles?
1: Nope. Babylon? Babylonian soldiers, more than likely. And what are they going to do? Fish. And? (laughs) Hunt. And what's that going to mean? Yeah. They're going to look everywhere. You know, they're going to hunt them from the mount, every mountain, every hill, the clefts of the rock. You know, they're going to use every trick in the book, and they're going to find them. You won't be able to escape. I mean, we've got hunters that, you know, they're going to get you. You know, we've got fishers. They're, they're awesome fishermen. They get, they get you know last fish in that sea. You know, you can't escape from the fishers and the hunters that God is sending in. He's going to repay them. He's going to punish them, you know, for what they've done wrong. God's got so many analogies he uses in the prophets. You know, who would have thought to compare the pagan conquerors to a bunch of hunters and fishermen? But, that makes sense. You can see them doing it, and it just shows the judgment's inescapable. You know, you're going to have a hunter everywhere you turn. You know, if this one doesn't get you, that one will. You know, I've been, uh, I'm not good at this either. I've been, just recently, I've learned and done a little bit of playing laser tag. (laughs) That is not my thing. And, uh, you know, my problem is, among other things, I find an enemy and, you know, I can start shooting him, but all of a sudden my gun's disabled, because from some other direction, I have eyes in the back of my head, so I don't know when somebody's coming from somewhere else and going to shoot me. You know, it's kind of like, there's so many of the hunters, you can't get away from it. You think, oh, I've got this one, and all of a sudden you don't have anything. Uh, so. You know, that God won't, he, he won't let them up. I mean, those, those pagans are coming in, and they're going to find them and destroy them. Comments and thoughts?
2: Okay. This idea in 14 and 15, do they ever switch this phrase to when God brought us out of these lands? Because in Nehemiah chapter 9, when they're reminiscing of God's faithfulness, they go back to the out of Egypt again.
1: Good question. My answer is, yes, sort of. Because really, the deliverance here, when he speaks in terms of delivering them from Babylon, almost always in the prophets, that doesn't just mean Joshua and Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah delivering them from Babylon almost always the deliverance from Babylon really means deliverance in the Messiah in a much more comprehensive sense. If we want to talk about the greatest act of God's deliverance today, do we say, well, the greatest thing God ever did when he delivered his people was to open the Red Sea and let them escape to Egypt? No, we say the greatest thing he ever did was to release us from our sins through deliverance in Christ. So maybe in that sense, he's really looking forward to the ultimate deliverance that has absolutely eclipsed what what ever happened in coming back, to Egypt. That would be my answer at the moment. So
2: how is that, that same phrase from verse fifteen? If it's we're saved from the Messiah, we're saved from our sins, not from these foreign lands. Is that phrase ever used from verse fifteen? That's the difference that you explain.
1: Yeah, well I'm saying that really deliverance from Babylon is ultimately not just physical deliverance but it's spiritual deliverance from ultimate Babylon that, 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 you know, I don't know if there was ever a time that they literally said you know, God who delivered us from Babylon through Joshua and Zerubbabel maybe, I can see that but I don't know a particular passage that says that But I'm thinking that this is probably going beyond that, and thinking of our deliverance from Babylon in deeper, more comprehensive terms. Babylon in the New Testament represents the world, and we have been delivered from the world. So I'm thinking that this may transcend the physical Babylon. Though I mean, you know, even their physical deliverance from Babylon was impressive. But I I would think this ought to be seen as you know ultimately fulfilled in the. Ultimate deliverance from quote unquote Babylon. I
0: don't, know. I, don't, I don't think he's ever, I don't think it's literal that this phrase was ever said, period. But it's used to make the point. Right. A couple points. One, the messianic point, and one, the point you're going to Babylon. <laughs>
1: right. 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 Yeah. And uh, the deliverance of the future is of greater magnitude perhaps shows that the punishment was of greater magnitude. You know, there's going to be a greater deliverance because there's a greater need. Something worse than Egyptian captivity be delivered out of. But yeah, good point. Other comments or questions? Alright, 19 to 21.
2: O Lord, my strength and my stronghold and my refuge in the day of distress. To you the nations will come from the ends of the earth and say, our fathers have inherited nothing but falsehood, futility, and things of no profit. Can man make gods for himself? Yet they are not gods. Therefore, behold, I am going to make them know, make, I am going to make them know this time I will make them know my power and my mind, and they shall know that my name is the Lord.
1: Okay, this is a rather amazing prophecy because he sees the nations coming from the ends of the earth and submitting themselves to God. You know, Judah had been turning to the idol gods. But now all these nations from all these distant places are turning to the true God and seeing that he is the only true refuge and strength, that the pagan gods are unreliable and they can't save. You know, they're not gods. So God reveals himself to these Gentiles who come to know God's power and might And then my name is the Lord. And again, the time reference of this is really in Christ. Ultimately, the one who reveals to these pagan, far-off Gentiles that the Lord is the true God, that's through Jesus. And, and so it's another prediction that the salvation that's coming is not just for physical Jews but God as he always said was going to bless all the nations of the earth in the descendant of Abraham and so he's picturing these Gentile nations as ultimately coming to see how empty the idols were and God revealing himself uh, to them comments and questions? 17 verses 1 to 4